Thank you. you. May be seated this morning. We're glad that you chose to worship with us. Didn't you enjoy hearing uh, our kids sing this morning? Man, that was awesome. Yeah, give them a hand. That was great. Love hearing them sing and uh, appreciate Jared willing uh, to pray. He, he, ran up, he ran up to me right after Grandpa's happy. He ran up to me right, after, uh, right before church this morning and said, uh, can I pray today? And so he got to do that. I'm thankful to hear uh, students and young people who want to talk to Jesus. Uh, he was sitting here on the front row uh, right before Ben called him up here and he said, I'm nervous. And I said, don't be nervous. You're just talking to God like you do every day. Isn't that, a, isn't that a great privilege that we can talk to our Creator? That we, you guys are just getting to hear Him talk to His Creator, and that's pretty awesome. Um, we have also some other things to celebrate. We've celebrated through baptism, our kids worshiping, Jared praying for us. And we have several of our younger students who have gone through a New Believers class it's a four-week class that Miss Allison takes them through. So I'm going to ask those four students, and I believe their moms and dads are going to come up there with them uh, this morning. And uh, so they have been through a four-week discipleship class. Uh, these students have already given their life to Christ. Several of them have already followed uh, the Lord in believers' baptism. And uh, so today they've got a certificate of their graduation. And so now they know everything. Right? Not quite everything, but uh, really one of the purposes of these classes is, and what we've been challenging you with, our, our goal, our mission is to make disciples who make disciples. And so in order really for you to be able to make disciples, you need to understand what a disciple is, right? And so it's not just saying a prayer, but it's learning. What, is it, what does it mean now that I am a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it mean now, and how can I? And so in these four weeks, they've been learning how to tell their story, how to share their story. Um, and so we want you, if you've not been challenged to learn and tell your story, you need to do that. The greatest tool you have to make disciples is your own story. How you found Jesus Christ. When Paul, in the book of Acts, when he was asked to defend his faith, almost without fail, what he would do is tell his story. This is what I was like before Christ this is how I met Christ, and this is how God, Jesus, changed my life. And so I'm excited to announce these kids have made that decision, and then they've also gone through this intense Bible study, right? And so the first one is Glory Don. Glory, would you guys give Glory a hand? Awesome. Very good. And uh, so if, if your students are around this age and are ready for this class, then contact Miss Allison. She'd love to get, get you in that, your student in that. The last week of the class, you parents get to come in and share your story. The next one here is Piper Haley. Give Piper a hand. Very good job, Piper. She's super stoked about being here in front of all of you guys. And we also have Bobby Lewis. Right, Bobby? Very good, Bobby. I'll give you a high five, man. All right. And his brother, Zacharias. Zacharias, congratulations, man. Good job. All right. And uh, I appreciate uh, Allison doing this. And this is our second class. We had a, a younger group that went. And uh, so, again, if you're interested and your student going through this, let Allison know. And we appreciate them. Let's give them another hand. Appreciate you guys. You guys can go back to your seat. Good job. Great job, parents and grandparents. Appreciate them and we're excited. Uh, we got to baptize uh, Zach and Bobby and Hewitt about a month or two ago and uh, their dad Bobby gave his life to Christ two weeks ago here in church 
and uh, he's on a job uh, in Colorado right now. But when he gets back in a couple months, we're going to get to see him get baptized as well. And so that's, that's awesome. That's something to celebrate, isn't it? Uh, yeah, give, give the Lord a hand. I want to encourage you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to get to uh, Philippians chapter 3. And uh, I want to encourage you as you're turning there, if you're not involved in some form of connect group at 930 on Sunday morning, you need to do that. This week we've had tons of activities uh, from all ages. Thursday our super seniors met and were really challenged by a young young, uh, lady who uh, really ministered through worship and and, uh, music. And uh, one of the themes for our super seniors or the theme for super seniors this week is, is telling your story. And so we see our young students learning to tell their story, our not-so-young students in the super seniors class learning to tell their story. I know uh, yesterday there were several huge class activities and people trying to connect. Um, and so it, you, were, you were not intended, I think in Sunday school you looked at Philippians chapter 1 today and you talked about that doing life together or doing... Uh, God never intended for the Christian life to be lived out in isolation. We're to be connecting to one another, connecting to each other and connecting to the Lord. And we best connect to the Lord when we connect together. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. Uh, This Saturday at 8 o'clock, men, all you men, pay attention. Saturday, 8 o'clock, this Saturday morning, we're going to have our men's breakfast. So it's another way for you to come and to connect. And we have extra way for you to connect this Saturday after the men's breakfast. We want you to bring your weed eater, all right? And we are, uh, a couple years ago we did this. We are going to connect to our community uh, by going down the the street here. And many times this area gets forgotten uh, and mowed. And so we're going to mow and clean up a little bit, all right? So 8 o'clock Saturday, be here to work. Also, uh, we'll feed you first. If you have one of your Hallmark shirts, that'd be a great time to wear it as we go out in the community and pick up some trash and clean up, and we'll get more information to you. This is our third week in Philippians, so we've told you every week, we're, gonna, we're doing this really quick flyby. We could spend a lot of time, a lot of time in Philippians, uh, but we're going to kind of give you an overview of the chapters as we walk through it. And really the theme is the theme of joy. And, and we understand that, that circumstances or happiness can be found in circumstances, but Joy is, it goes beyond our circumstances. Joy is found really in a person. Joy is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And so with Jesus, in Jesus, we can have joy in spite of our circumstances. We can have joy in spite of people around us, as chapter 2 talked a little more about. And so in chapter 3, uh, just so happens, I love how God works things out as we were celebrating Uh, These students have made the decision to be a followers of Jesus Christ, and that's really what we want to look at in chapter 3, the joy of our salvation, the joy in salvation. And we've looked at this definition, and this definition was given by by John Piper in regards to what he felt like Paul was explaining or intending to say what joy means as he walked through the, the book of Philippians. Here's the definition. A good feeling in the soul produced by the Spirit, as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and in the world. So it's, it, it's something that's produced in us by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. It's not just something, it's just not, I'm going to make a decision. I mean, I think you need to make a decision every day to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, right? So you, you do have to make a decision, but that decision is empowered by who lives in me. Jesus in me empowers me to have joy in spite of my circumstances. So Philippians chapter number three, and we're going to kind of uh, just walk through the chapter and give some really commentary on the way, but also kind of um, some application as we walk through the book of Philippians. And when we walk through this, I want you to have a verse in mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or another way that he would have said that, uh, that we could translate that, is follow me as I follow Christ. Christ. And, and so as a believer, you should be able to make that same statement. As maybe a maturing believer, you should be able to make that, that statement. And when I say maturing believer, it doesn't really have anything to do with your age. It has everything to do with how, how well are you walking with Christ. If I am walking with Christ and pursuing Christ and he's my goal, he's my focus, then I should be able to, not in a bragging way, but be able to say, follow me, someone who's less mature in their faith, as I follow Christ. And that's what Paul is saying. And so we're going to walk through Philippians 3 with that idea in mind that we are wanting to imitate Christ, imitate Paul as he imitated Christ. Verse 1, chapter 3 of Philippians. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. So Paul is saying here, rejoice in the Lord. So there we see that, that statement. We're going to make a decision because I'm in Christ. Rejoice in the Lord because Christ is, is in me. I'm going to choose. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. For me to write the same thing. So last week something jumped off the page to me that I, I really hadn't noticed before. When, he, when Paul said, fulfill my joy, verse 2 of chapter number 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. And Paul was saying, if you want to make me happy, he's writing to these believers, then, then act like Christ. And then here in, in, uh, in chapter 3, for me to write the same thing to you is tedious, is, is not tedious. What Paul is saying here is, look, I'm not giving you new information here. I've already told you this. But I'm going to tell you it again. And the reason I'm going to tell you it again is because uh, we have a tendency to forget things, don't we? How many of you, uh, never mind, I'm not going to ask. So we have a tendency to forget things. Verse 2, beware of dogs. That's not the sign, you know, on the yard. That's not what he's trying to say. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. It's interesting that Paul would use the word dogs here because he's referring to Jewish Pharisees. The Jewish people, guess what their name for Gentiles was? Dogs. Paul's kind of sticking it to the Jewish Pharisees. Beware of the dogs, the mutilation. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He's, he's telling them to rejoice in their salvation. Rejoice in what God has done for them. Rejoice not in, and so he's doing some teaching here that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. Not by works, lest any man should boast. And so they're adding, the Jews are adding faith, yes, but also to faith is the Old Testament law. Specifically, he's mentioning circumcision here. Let's continue reading. 
He says, don't have confidence in the flesh, verse 4, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks of me uh, may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So if they want to brag about who they are and their religion and how good they are, how well they follow the law, Paul says, if we're going to brag in our confidence, in our own abilities, in what we've done, then Paul says, there's no one that has more opportunity to brag than me. Continue. Gives his credentials. I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, going all the way back to King Saul, a Hebrew of Hebrews concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in law, blameless. And Paul is saying, look, if you look at my lineage, my heritage, I am a Jew of all Jews. I go all the way back to the tribe of Benjamin, which is the tribe which King Saul, the first king of Israel, was from. I am a Jew of all Jews. I am uh, I've kept every law. It says there before the law, blameless. And if you want to really think about his history, he said, I even persecuted the church. Well, who's he referencing when he says, I persecuted the church? Believers, but believers in who? Those who believe Jesus Christ, and not just that, not, they're not just believing that Jesus Christ came to the earth and died on the cross. They're believing that Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on a cross to be the substitute, the payment for my sin, for the world's sin, and that he proved he had death, power over death, came back to life three days later, and he is not Jesus the prophet, not Jesus a good man, Jesus, the words we just sang, the Messiah. Can you, get, can you say amen about that? And Paul says, I persecuted those who claimed Jesus was the Messiah. A Pharisee of Pharisees. Verse 7. And there's a, a transitional word right here, right? But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Jew of all Jews. But all of that, all of that religion is meaningless. It's pointless. Yet indeed, I also count all things for loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish, trash, that I may gain Christ. Look, look, at that, look at that verse again. Indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, of whom I have suffered the loss of all things. So from an earthly, humanly vantage point, before Paul met Christ, he had all things. A Jew of Jews, keeper of the law, authority from the high priest to persecute Christians. When he gave his life to Christ, what he's saying here in verse number 8, humanly speaking with a temporal mind on earthly things, when I gave my life to Christ, I lost all things. But he says, great I would lose all things again just to know Jesus. Jesus is worth everything. It says in verse 9, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, 
which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to the image, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may, may attain the resurrection from the dead. Your, your first point, if you haven't already figured it out, right? Most of you have already guessed and you figured it out, right? Is, number one is his past. Paul's talking about his past, and, and, and I thought it was just kind of interesting in uh, one of the commentaries that talked about these, this word. You see it in, in your bulletin there, uh, past, the accountants. You see several times in, in these few verses we read that Paul is counting and what is he counting? He's counting everything that the world has to offer. Everything that the world says is going to bring joy and happiness and pleasure. Paul says, I count all those things as loss, except for what? Knowing Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning in the room today if that's, if that's what we think. I wonder this morning in, in the room if we think... God, take everything from me if that's what I need to happen in order to know you more. Is, is Jesus enough for us? Is Jesus enough? And Paul says, when I look at my past and everything I had, all the earthly possessions, the authority. When listen, when people saw Paul before he gave his life to Christ, he was somebody. He meant something. He had, when, people, when he walked down the street, Paul said, people would look at Paul and say, hey, th there's Paul. He's someone. Paul said it means nothing. I'm glad I gave all that up for the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The next one there, number two. Paul's present. So he takes a look at his past and, and he again rejoices in the fact that he's given his life to Jesus Christ. He rejoices in the fact that although he's lost everything, think what Paul has been through. In fact, and in spite of all the persecution and all the trouble he's been through, he says it's worth it just to know Jesus Christ. Verse number 12 through 16. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. When the, when the students came up here this morning and I said, they've graduated, they know everything now, right? And we all laughed, right? How many of you know everything there is to know about the Bible? Anybody want to hear want to make that claim this morning? How many of you have reached the state of perfection today? Anyone re reached the state of perfection today? And, and that's what Paul is saying, not that I, and so we understand there's this salvation right now. Some of us, more so than others, are in the process of what the theological term is, the process of sanctification, right? It's the process of becoming more like Christ. When Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ, but now he's also adding to that, not that I've already attained what Christ has attained, not that I am perfected, but I am maturing in my faith. I'm growing in my faith. I'm in process of becoming more like Christ. And so we have the understanding of the moment I gave my life to Christ, salvation. Since that moment, age 17, I've been in process of sanctification. I should, becoming more, I should be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. You should be more like Christ today than you were yesterday. 
and unfortunately for many of us in the room this morning, we have not advanced in our faith. Not just from yesterday, but the day before that, or the month before that, or the year before that. Remember what Paul said, I, I want to give you the meat of the word, but you guys are babes in Christ. Paul, if anyone should be able to say, I have attained, I have arrived, I am almost like Christ. You think of what Paul has been through. Right now he's writing this letter from prison. You know, he's been through shipwrecks, he's been beaten, he's been stoned and left for dead, he's been bit by a snake after he was shipwrecked. All these things that Paul has been through. And what is he saying? I'm still in my present state right now. I'm still in process of becoming more like Christ. Let's continue reading. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing, listen, one thing, it's this focus. You, you see the focus in this text? Verse 12, he says, I press on. Verse 13, one thing, I'm forgetting those things which are behind my mistakes, my failures. I'm forgetting those. So maybe we've been in process for 15 years and we've been stuck for five of those 15 years. When Paul is saying, I'm going to forget that I've messed up. I'm going to forget that I've taken a few steps backward in my faith and I'm going to press on. I'm going to press in. I'm going to lean in towards Christ. One thing, I'm focused, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward. I'm going to move forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Paul says... I'm going to have a singular focus. My focus is based on the joy of my salvation. If I'm, if I'm confident in who I am in Christ, and all my sins have been forgiven, I have eternal home in heaven, then hopefully it will help us have a better perspective on our problems on earth. And we'll take our eyes off our problems and put our eyes on Jesus. I press towards Jesus. How many of you watched the draft this week? Anybody draw, how many of you like to watch the draft this weekend? How many of you are like would be bored to tears to try to watch the draft, all right? So traditionally in my house, um, I've never really sat down too much to watch the draft, except that my, my son loves all things sports. Um, and for years, even when he was little, how many of you ever played uh, Madden? Anybody played Madden before? All right. I see some ladies raising hand. That's awesome. So um, my son would play for hours, and he would not necessarily just play the game for hours or like the actual game. He would go in, and they would have a general manager mode. You guys know what that is? And so you, they would give you a salary cap just like in the NFL, and you would put your own team together. And he would spend hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how to build the best team within the salary cap given to him. Nerd. That's what I think. Nerd. So traditionally, he's the one giving me the information about who is being drafted because I'm not quite as interested as he is. This week, though, Friday, 
he was working a job, which I can say amen to that, but he was working a job and he, he couldn't be in front of the, compu- the TV and, and, or the computer. So I sat and watched the entire first round of the draft, texting him every single pick that happened. And I hated my life. No, it was okay. But it's interesting in the draft. The very, the very first overall draft pick never happened in the history of the NFL that a young man got drafted who had not been offered a scholarship out of high school. So Baker Mayfield didn't, was not offered a major college scholarship, and he walked on at Texas Tech because he had a focus. He had a goal. He had a dream. He had a purpose. Got the starting job, lost the starting job, left Texas Tech and went to Oklahoma University and walked on because nobody would offer him a scholarship. Because he had focus and a purpose and a direction. And this kid, who no one would offer a high school or college scholarship out of high school, became the number one overall draft pick in the NFL. We can say all kinds of things about whatever, but we could say one thing is... He was focused. He pursued a goal. But not just, just not Baker Mayfield. There was a couple other guys that were not offered a job. Josh Allen, number seven pick of the Bills. No major scholarships offered by any major schools. But became the number, number seven overall pick. The guy that the Vander Esch, you guys know who Vander Esch? Anybody Cowboys fans? All right, the guys that, that he picked... He came from a small rural school that played eight-man football. The town that he is from, 400 people lived in his town. No college scholarships. He walked on to Boise State. And now he's drafted number 19, I think, by the Cowboys. Focus. Direction. This one thing. I'm going to pursue this goal. Yesterday, I just happened to turn the TV on. And uh, right at the right time, and a guy named uh, Shaquem Griffin was drafted. Anybody see that? Raise your hand high. Keep it up. Keep it up if you cried a little bit during that story. All right. Be so Shaquem uh, has a twin brother named Shaquille. And Shaquille and Shaquem, identical twins. They look, in fact, they look a lot like their mother. If you watch, look it up today when you go home. Not, not now while you're in church, but later. <laughs> and same situation. No, no, no real scholarships in, in high school for Shaquem. Shaquille had major college scholarships offered. Finally, Shaquem got a, a, an offer from the University of Central Florida, UCF. And so that's where his brother decided to go, the twins. They had a goal. They had a focus. They were, their plan was to uh, be in the NFL together, play on the same team together. Uh, they even had some plans that they were going to marry twin girls on the same day and all, the, all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, Shaquille had all the potential. Everybody looked at Shaquille. This guy is going to make it. Shaquille, maybe not so much. Shaquille turned down the University of Florida. All the big schools that he could have gone to, he turned down so he could play college football with his brother. And Shaquille, for the first two years, set the bench. 
didn't get much. Shaquille just kept getting better and better, and so he left college his junior year for the pros and got drafted, I think, in the third round last year, two years ago, by the Seattle Seahawks as a cornerback. And Shaquem had a dream to play with his brother in the NFL. And so why did, why did one have much more uh, people looking for him than the other? It's because Shaquille uh, was normal as far as having all his faculties. Shaquem was born without his left, I think it was his left hand. So everyone saw his uh, limitations, not his potential. But he still had a dream. He had a plan and a purpose. And so his last year of college, new coach comes in, sees the same potential, plays all-conference, defensive linebacker. And yesterday, right as I turned the TV on, I didn't really know all the story. I, 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 had, I had heard of uh, this linebacker that played without, without, he didn't have a left hand. That's all about all I knew. And so I turned the TV on, and he gets drafted yesterday in the fifth round. Towards the end of the draft, he's drafted. And guess what team drafted him? The Seattle Seahawks. Him and his twin brother are now on the same team. And then they do this special where everybody cries, right? And I'm like, you pretend like you're not, you know. Focus and direction. And I sit there and I watch that. Then I, and then I read this text and Paul says, I press on one thing, reaching forward. I press toward. And here's what we need to understand, Christians. Playing in the NFL, that's a great dream. But living and pursuing and knowing Christ is way more important. And if we, we as individuals can be focused on, on earthly, temporary things, Paul is saying how much more should we be focused on heavenly, eternal things. Our focus should be on knowing Christ and making Christ known. Our focus should be that tomorrow I'm going to be walking closer with Christ than I am today. And today I'm walking closer with Christ than I did yesterday. And I'm going to pursue Christ. If it costs me everything, I'm still going to pursue Christ. If people hate me, I'm still going to pursue Christ. If it costs me my job, I'm still going to pursue Christ. If people in the church hate me, I'm still going to pursue Christ. And, and you need to evaluate, and me specifically, I need to evaluate, has that been my focus? I'm going to forget the past, my failures, or maybe my successes if I need to. And I'm going to focus on Jesus in the present, right now, today. Verse number 17, and, and I'm sure you figured out what the third word is, right? Past, present, and what? Future. Verse 17, brethren, join the following... Join in following my example. So it's, again, it's kind of similar to 1 Corinthians verse we gave you. Paul is saying, follow my example. And note, those who so walk. So Paul is, not, is saying, don't just follow my example, but note the others around you who are pursuing Christ. Do you know there's people in this auditorium this morning that have been following Christ and pursuing Christ for longer than I've been alive, and they're in this room today? You know, there's people in this room that have been faithful to the Lord 
in the past, in the present, and they will be in the future. And those are the people that you and I need to follow and pursue. There's people in this room who love Christ more than I love Christ. There's people in the room that have walked longer, closer with Christ than I have walked with Christ. And I'm assuming that you're in the same boat. We need to find those people. Paul is saying, follow me, follow the examples in Scripture. But there's godly men and women in this room that you and I need to pursue because they're pursuing Christ. Aren't you thankful that you're at a church where we can look around and see faithful men and women of God who faithfully serve God for longer than I've been alive? And every day that gets longer and longer, right? I'm almost halfway to a 90 right now. Make, that just makes it sound old, right? Like I'm, I'm going to be turning 45 in August. And half of you are looking at me, you're just so young. And the other half, particularly over here, is like, you're like older than my dad, you know? And I hate you. No. There's people in this room that have been faithfully pursuing Christ for more than 45 years. Paul is saying we need, we need to follow their example. And in order for us to follow their example, we have to get to know them. We have to pursue them. We have to invite them into the room. We have to acknowledge them. We have to pursue them. Verse 18, For many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you, even, even weeping. This word kind of just jumps off the page. Because what's the theme of the book of Philippians? What's the one word theme? Joy. So why is this word weeping in the book of Philippians, which is all about joy? What would, what would Paul, who's teaching us to pursue Christ, in spite of circumstances, rejoice? In spite of other people around you, rejoice? Why is he saying, let's read verse 18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. There are those who claim to be followers of Jesus who are actually enemies of the cross of Christ. And it breaks Paul's heart. Verse 9, he describes them whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame. And here's the key phrase. So Paul is describing those who have walked away from the faith, those who don't, don't find joy in their salvation. And, and let's be real honest that walking away from your faith doesn't necessarily always mean you stop coming to church. If, if I have stopped pursuing Christ... And if I've stopped trying to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, then the reality is I've walked away from my faith. Now, I can do all those things and still come to church. I could do all those things and probably still get up here and preach. 
But what's the key to this? What's the key to enjoying my salvation? What's the key to continuing to pursuing Christ? Because he gives the reason why they walked away from the faith. He gives the reason why they're not focused on pursuing Christ. Why they're not joyous in their salvation. And he said, because their mind is on what? Earthly things. Their focus has shifted from an eternal perspective to what's in it for me right now currently. And the reality is that is very easy for everyone in the room. Today, I could make the decision, God, I'm going to pursue heavenly things and I'm going to forsake earthly things, those temporary things. If they're in the way of me knowing you more, then I'm going to get rid of those things in my life. And I can make that decision today, but guess what I have to do tomorrow? i got to make the same decision. Because in our world, we're faced with so many things that pull us from a heavenly mindset to an earthly mindset. So how do, I, how do I continue to focus on heavenly things, not earthly things? How do I continue to look at the future? What, what does verse 20 say? Our citizenship is in where? Heaven. You, you remember the song, This is not my home, I'm just a, a passing through, Right? And isn't it easy to forget that? Isn't it so easy to be focused on today and what I can gain and what I can get and how I can get ahead? First Peter says we are aliens, we are strangers of this world. Our citizenship, if you are a believer, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, your citizenship is in where? Heaven. And that's where our focus should be. Let's continue reading. Verse 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. In other words, salvation, I'm in the process now of sanctification. When I get to heaven, I will now have glorification. One day, we're going to have a glorified body. One day, we're going to worship without any hindrances. One day, we're going to be in the very presence of God and Jesus Christ, our Savior. And Paul says, if we will keep that focus, pursuing Him and Him only. Let me read one more passage of Scripture in Colossians chapter 3. You can turn there if you want. Colossians chapter 3. Read verses 1 and 2 and verse 17. If then you were raised with Christ. So again, it's talking to believers. So Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. How many of you get confused on those four books trying to turn back and forth through those, all right? So if you, if you want, this is for all you kids. Kids, are you still awake out there? Hmm. We'll try that again. Kids, are you awake out there? I don't, know if, I don't know if they think they're supposed to say yes or no. I'm confused myself. I'm going to give you a little hint when you're looking in your Bible and trying to f- find where's Galatians, where's Ephesians, where's Philippians, where's Colossians. This is a really simple something told me a long time ago because I'm a very simple-minded person. So go eat popcorn. Can you guys say that? Kids, can you say that? Go eat popcorn. All right, so Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Can, are you guys tracking with me? 
That was our mental break. All right, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ, believers, if you've given your life to Christ, seek those things which are above. Pursue Christ where Christ is sitting on the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give me thanks to God the Father through him. If I'm going to really have joy in my salvation, I've got to pursue Christ. And, and since today's family worship, we have all the kids in here today. Uh, parents, could I just give you some quick advice? Are you guys okay with that? I'm not sure I'm asking. I'm going to tell you either way. In, in our culture today, there are so many things that pull us away from church and heavenly things. Good, good things, I mean, maybe good things. But never before in, in our culture has the lure or the enticement for parents to have their kids involved in other things besides heavenly things, godly things, ever been greater. Are you tracking with me? The most important thing you can teach your kids is to pursue Christ. And you, you can't really teach them that if you're not pursuing him yourself. And you can't really tell me that you're pursuing him with everything you have and you're teaching your kids to pursue him with everything you have if you're not here in church. And so maybe this isn't for you guys sitting here this morning. Maybe this is for those that are listening on Facebook, right? Or they're going to listen later. But the warning is for all of us. The, the pull, the enticement. Right now in our culture, let's just, let's just get the elephant out of the room. Like the enticement is sports, isn't it? In any variation or any form of sport. That's the pull for most of our parents that we... Our kids, man, they're going to learn character and they're going to learn to be disciplined. And, and that's great and that's well. But they, they need Jesus more than they need to learn how to hit a baseball. And, and I'm telling you that because uh, it wasn't that many years ago that I was faced with the same struggle. We, we talked about this in staff this week. That even on our own staff that we have kids that are faced with that same decision. And, I, and we have to make the same decision. What am I going to teach my kid? I want to teach him that I'm going to pursue Christ at all costs. And I want them to pursue Christ at all costs. And, and trust me, I'm not saying sports are bad. I just told you I spent three hours texting my son about the draft. But sports need to have their place. And that's what Paul is saying here. If I'm going to have joy in my salvation, if my family is going to have joy in our salvation then I'm going to have to put away earthly, temporary things, and I'm going to have to focus on Jesus. And, and so I want everyone this morning, the moment we're going to stand and we're going to have an opportunity to worship, but I want you, between now and that moment, I want you to wrestle with your own, your own walk with Christ. Is your walk with Christ right now where it needs to be? Can you tell me honestly that uh, from yesterday to today, you've done everything you could to pursue Him? How about the last two weeks? How about the last six weeks? How about your calendar moving forward? What's already on your agenda? Is Christ first in your life? And if Christ is not first in your life, then I would contend that there's probably not great joy in your salvation. 
because your focus is on the wrong thing. Would you close your eyes for a moment? This morning we talked a lot to believers that they, our focus as believers should be on Christ. But maybe this morning you're not a believer. Maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning there hasn't been that moment when you said, I am going to follow Jesus Christ. I repent of my sins. I turn from my sin and myself and I turn towards God. God, forgive me my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. God wants everyone in this room this morning to know that you are a follower of Jesus, that you are a child of God. He sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin debt so that he could adopt you into his family so that you could be a child of God, so that you could have an eternal home in heaven, so that your citizenship would be from earth to heaven. And so I want to ask real quickly this morning, who would say in the room today, John, I have never given my life to Jesus. I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ, but I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, our eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand for a moment? Just put your hand up. Hold it up for a moment. I'm going to look across the audience. Anyone like that this morning? John, I want, I need to be a follower of Jesus. And how many of us this morning would say, John, to be honest with you, I have not been pursuing Christ alone. My mind has been on earthly things, not heavenly things. If that's you this morning, as our eyes are closed, would you just also put your hand up this morning? Just put it up. Put it up. Be, just be bold. Put it up. I'm going to ask you this morning, you can put your hands down. In a moment, we're going to stand and we're having an opportunity to worship. And I'm going to ask you this morning, if you've raised your hand, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but God has spoken to you about where your focus is. I'm going to ask you to come forward and pray about it. There'll be people up here standing and, and they'll be facing you. If, you. if you would like for us to pray with you, we'd be glad to pray for you. If you'd like to come pray by yourself privately here, we'll let you do that as well. If you, if you want to know how to give your life to Jesus Christ, walk up to one of us that are facing you this morning. Shake your hand and we would gladly tell you how you can give your life to Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be in this room, to hear the kids who sing their worship, Lord. And, and just, Lord, may we have the, the childlike faith to just pour our love and our adoration and our worship to you as these kids do. But Lord, as you've challenged us this morning, Lord, may we pursue you. May we focus on you. May we walk with you. Would you stand with me this morning as we worship? We're going to sing uh, again the song, How Great Is Our God. Let's just worship him. If you would like to come pray, now is the time.